Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin' the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner of SandySpiel.com, and with me today, as always, is our producer and moderator of the podcast, Ramin Forgani. Ramin, it is September 21st, and a surprise, big, bombshell of a news portion came out today via the GHSA and before we get to that let me just say that uh, Cabrell Huff joins the podcast later in our episode he joins the one-on-one segment to discuss the MCA of Georgia coaching roundtable and he gave us a little bit of insight on what we're about to talk about the breaking news that came out today so we want to thank him for joining the podcast. But back to what happened today on the 21st, the GHSA announced that four out of the eight classifications of the state championships will be coming back to Macon. Before I get your thoughts on that, Ramin, let me ask you, how are you doing today, sir? Because I know it was a big day for me. I'm doing well, Kyle. You know, all these little bombshells, these things happening are making it closer and closer to basketball season. And there's nothing better than on a September Thursday to be talking about basketball with you, Kyle. You're, you're right about that. It is, what, pretty much officially two months away before games start playing. Uh, that middle of November is when you start seeing teams tip off regular season games. So it is It is here. We're going to be saying this until the season actually does literally tip off but uh it's pretty much here and with the bombshell like that coming down uh, the ghsa is having these state championships move back to macon after last year we had it at georgia tech and athens split four days between the two spots and ramin i just want to get your quick opinion on it how did you think things went last year uh i know you, you, uh, hopefully you were able to watch a little bit. I know we uh, caught up at Georgia Tech at McCamish Pavilion, especially for that 4A championship between Upson Lee and St. Pius. I think that was the golden standard that all state championships need to live up to now from now on. But uh, what do you think about uh, last year and how it all went with the new changes of venues going to uh, two, two spots instead of just the one in the centerplex? Well, from everything that I've heard, there were some uh... – I guess some questions as to which classifications would play where and when, but the two spots ultimately worked out really well. They're both, yes, relatively in the metro area, Athens being uh, about 60, 70 miles away from Atlanta, but the attendance numbers, I think, prove it all, if I'm not mistaken. I think we covered this on the post-championship podcast. The GHSA saw like a 20% increase in attendance on last year's uh, championship games than in any than the 2015 championship games. And, of course, that means more money for them. But also, you just talked about the atmosphere. You mentioned that 4A game that both me and you were there for. And that atmosphere is simply electric there. From everything I heard, the facilities were nice. The teams loved it. Um, You know, great. It was easy to get to. So I thought last year went well. And as to this year, you know, we all know why the change was made last year. The misplaced goals, the trash all over the bleachers. We all know the stories. We all know what happened two years ago, and according to the press release, <coughs> excuse me, according to the press release, um, the Centriplex says they've changed it. They're under new management by Spectra, but I guess we'll see when it comes around time to march. So I know if you're tuning into the podcast, you're probably expecting me to uh, 
be all revved up and ready to rock and roll and rant and rave. I've been known to uh, voice my opinions, which I feel like are, you know, for the most part, pretty popular, kind of speaking the minds of uh, the the quote-unquote little people out there, the, the, the fans, the parents, some of the players, all that, how they feel about how the GHSA has run things. But maybe I'm just a little bit older. I'm an old man. Maybe I'm, it's because I'm 25. I feel a little subdued. It's 10.35 p.m. I was up at 4 a.m. working this morning. <laughs> if, you, if you're expecting me to bring the, the fire and brimstone and start screaming and ranting about this, you know what? I'm going to take a, a calmer approach. Okay, moving the four of the state championships to Macon. Uh, when I first saw it, I, di- I didn't necessarily jump to conclusions. I wasn't slamming my phone saying, damn the world, I am so pissed off at this. I, I wanted to wait, and I wanted to wait to see what the Macon newspapers were saying. Daniel Shirley tweeting out the information. And I saw, okay, well, a four and four split. That's not the end of the world. We still have Georgia Tech on the final two days, and we get Macon in the first two days. Now, so that means Macon's replacing Stegman Coliseum over there in Athens at the University of Georgia. Um, I, I thought Georgia was pretty good. I know it wasn't necessarily quite as packed or didn't look as packed as McCamish did. I know that that Buford and Cedar Shoals game was outstanding in the 5A championship, but you had two schools. That was a perfect storm, you know, right there in its backyard. But I thought they did a very nice job. I thought it was it was a, an attractive court, very very uh very nice stadium. Uh, I, I enjoyed it personally, but for them, I think that that stinks on their side of things. I thought they did a great job. They did as good as possible. I think the only blemish I, I, I thought they had was, I believe it was Georgia, one of the scoreboards. They, I don't think they had the, the player point totals up on the scoreboard when they, they could have had that. I know they had the technology there. But other than that, I thought I thought Stegman did a really nice job. So it kind of stinks for them that they're getting getting replaced and Macon's taken back over for them. And I'm going to jump it, in here, Kyle, quickly. And come just on say, in. Come on in. I, uh, obviously, being here at the University of Georgia, I have not seen Stegman, but I know it's gone under a six-month renovation. Um, I know the basketball teams are hungry and itching to get in, but just like Phillips Arena, Stegman Coliseum has gone a major facelift. They've gone through a major renovation, and it is going to be ready for the UGA basketball season, so I don't see any reason why it would not be ready for the GHSA championships unless there's some sort of internal politics or scheduling issues that we're not privy to. Yeah, I think a lot of times it, it does come down to scheduling, but when you know every single year we're going to have state championships at, what, first, second week of March, you could probably work around it or just see what's going on. If there's a schedule change that just is not is not movable, then, then I guess that's good. You know, you know, I wouldn't be too opposed to seeing if there, there happened to be, I don't know, maybe the, they rotate between Georgia and Macon every other year or something like that. I think keeping it at Georgia Tech in Atlanta, I think that's definitely a must because that was just that was just the pinnacle of everything last year. But I wouldn't be uh, too crazily opposed to a, a rotating between Georgia and Macon. Um, I know they love Macon being the the center of the state which is which is something that I'll touch on a little later but I just want to get your thoughts on that I know it might be tough uh logistically maybe but in a perfect world what would you think about Georgia and uh the centerplex uh trading off every every other year every two years something like that and keeping Georgia Tech for the primetime 7A games 
Well, I think a question that you have to ask is if you're the GHSA and you're trying to maximize attendance, you know, at one point, if Macon's geographically in the center of the state, but then you have a lot of Metro teams playing, then does that really matter? And on the other hand, you know, how are you going to estimate that? Well, I don't know if um, your Metro team, you know, it may be more convenient for people who are not affiliated with any team to go to a championship in the Metro versus down in Macon, which is, you know, although geographically in the center of the state, probably not in the center of the state if you look at a population heat map, per se. Um, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see how this year's championship at Macon goes before we can make any adjudication as to rotating schedules or any such like that. Yeah, I, I see where they're coming from. I mean, there is a tradition at the centerplex, albeit wasn't a great tradition necessarily, especially the the, the last time they were there. But uh, it, it it is theoretically a good spot since it is in the middle of Georgia. The only problem I had when when I was raising hell back then, it wasn't because I thought Macon stunk. I mean, Macon's Macon's a fine town. It's it's not too shabby. It's not. It's 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 fine. It's fine. It's passable. Nothing nothing terrible about. It. The only thing was, if you're gonna have it there, you gotta have it at a top notch facility. And the Centerplex wasn't that back then. Now I know Spectra came in and they're, they're the new management there. And reading these these Macon articles, they said they're 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 getting all these upgrades. They're gonna get new lights and new floor. But from what I read, it says there's plans to get new lights and new flooring. Uh, maybe someone closer to the source would know if they already got that stuff done or not. But anytime stuff is it's in the planning stage and it's not officially done yet, that kind of freaks me out and scares me. Especially looking at a, a larger scale thing, which is probably you know a, a thousand times exponentially more difficult than just getting new lights and new flooring. But you look at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and the Falcons, and we're pushing it back, and we're pushing it back, and we're pushing it back, and we're pushing it back. I know that's a completely different project than what they're doing over here with Spectra at the Centerplex. But I want to see that stuff done. I want to see people in there expecting uh, expecting it and putting it out there and uh, letting everybody see, hey, look at these nice floors. We don't have cracks in the floor anymore. Look at these rims. These rims are legit. They're at the right length. Uh, and look at the lighting. The lighting is pristine, and everything's clean, and everything's good. I mean, talking about it is good. I know Spectra, they probably didn't just do a deal and just – you know, okay, here's our money, whatever. Now we take and we're just going to crap on them, not do anything. I'm sure the people that are involved at Spectra, they're, they're doing what they're supposed to do. But I just want to see it beforehand. So give everybody that peace of mind that, hey, yes, we've learned from our mistakes and now we're ready to be better from it. And we got Dr. Robin Hines as a new executive director of the GHSA and he's a Houston County boy. And that's, you know, that's pretty close to making. So who, who knows about that? But as long as the centerplex is up and running and it, everything's cleaned and it's it's what they say it should be, I don't have a problem with it, Ramin. So I know, Kyle, and your last question to me, in my answer, I kind of danced around it. But if we're going to keep Georgia Tech as sort of the primetime games and making goes for the first two days, Georgia Tech for the last two days, 7A is traditionally always played last. You know, the so-called the largest games with the largest schools who should have the largest fan bases, although we touched on it, I think 4A had beat out 7A last year. What do you think the GHSA will do this year in terms of which classes will play where? They have not released that. They've only said four plays in Macon, four classes play in Macon, and four in uh, 
Atlanta, and then also what would you like to see theoretically? Well, I think if we did it last year, I know I don't know the 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 the, the exact scheduling, but I know at Georgia we had Class One A, we had Class Three A, we had Class Five A and Six A, and and that that One A was One A public, and then the final two days at Georgia Tech was One A private, we had Two A. We had 4A and we had 7A. So now, if you're gonna keep it that same way, why? Which is, you know, I don't think why. Why would you change it? I, it would be nice for people to just already know. Okay, if I'm a 4A school, I'm looking forward to playing at Georgia Tech because that's how it is. Last year, I know they they released where the championships and the Final Four all that stuff would be, you know, pretty late in the game and. People were kind of, I wouldn't say scrambling, but they were like, well, I wish I had a little bit of a heads up. I know coaches, I know for a fact coaches were going into the state tournament and in, already in that first round, past the first round, heading into the Sweet 16, they didn't even know where the championship games were going to be. So hopefully they get that addressed earlier. So if it was like last year, uh, I like how it was lined up. You know, you open up with Class A public and you have those those four classifications I mentioned, one, three, five, and six, and then Going back to Georgia Tech, let's have one, two, uh, four, and seven. I thought that worked well. I just don't like the guessing games that be are, are being played. I would just like it to have that you know firmly cemented, so people know what to expect going into the season, and not have that 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 late season scramble guessing match. Do you think the attendance numbers in Macon will match up to what we saw last year in UGA? Well, I, it's it's gonna depend. I mean, if if we have the if we have a one A public state championship and Wilkinson's back there again, Wilkinson always brings a crowd. Uh, I think it's gonna have to rely on the the geography of things, which usually it does a lot. But if I had to guess, I thought I thought it was really good at Stegman. I thought there was a very good crowd. I think Stegman brought more people. Now let's parallel. Uh, last year, for the first time in a long time, they did not even broadcast the games on TV, and that was that was somewhat of a determining factor. Maybe that was pulling people, saying, "Hey, you got to be in the be in the stadium if you actually want to see the game." Because they had the stream on what NFHS network. NFHS I think. network. Yeah, but a lagging I, stream from what I hear. Yeah, I heard it was kind of shaky for a lot of those games, and. I mean, now if we have it back in Macon, I know it's it's a two spots, and it, it might be difficult to move crew to crew. But hell, I know working at the Corky Kell Classic, they had it at three spots, and they had the games on TV, no problem. So, I think one thing that everybody can agree upon, whether you're playing at at, at the Centerplex, you're playing at Stegman, you're playing at McCamish Pavilion, you're playing you're playing anywhere, fans. Coaches, players, everybody, we want these games on TV again, on GPP TV uh, or anyone else. If you're, you're Fox Sports South, whatever they're called anymore, why would you not want to put a bid in for that? I know they used to have those Corky Kell games that went by the wayside, went to really hyper-local TV channels. But somebody needs to put these games on TV. You go to Florida, you see it all on that whatever sunshine network something like that those games are all broadcast and georgia did a great job for that for a long time but you don't know what you have till it's gone and uh, i think that's just super crucial you got to put these games back on television for people to watch and that is that is just so crucial to showcase your talent uh if you're going to showcase your talent in atlanta you might as well showcase it on tv as well 
I agree with you on all counts, Kyle, but it is a long ways away, and I think there are a bit more pertinent things to discuss between now and the championships, more specifically all the basketball on and off the court that's going to lead us on the path to the championship. And I think you tipped that off in the one-on-one segment with Coach Cabrell Huff. Yes, Cabrell, I I appreciate him coming on. He was a 2014 state championship winning coach with St. Francis, coached a lot of guys that have uh, gone on to Division One. a couple guys in the NBA, Malik Beasley, guys like that, played a big role in their development. Uh, he went to Georgia Southern for a year, was at Alcorn State for a year, and now he's back at Duluth. And uh, he, he gave us a, some uh, great information on this Saturday's uh, coaching clinic, Minority Coaches of Georgia, their association, putting on a, a great roundtable with a lot of coaches. Ron Hunter is going to be there. Uh, a good a good bevy of big-name coaches. And before I forget, Cabrell, uh, one of the things that you'll hear about him, uh, from him, about what he th- thinks about the state championships moving back to making, uh, he harped on it. The biggest thing is we need to have that atmosphere. We need to have that atmosphere like Upson Lee versus St. Pius. Uh, even Tiff County versus Norcross is a very good atmosphere. We need atmosphere. That is the biggest thing. The state of Georgia is one of the best in the entire nation. If we're not going to be on TV, I mean, hopefully that's not the case this year. That 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 arena needs to be packed out, and that's the biggest thing because these kids are they're playing for all the marbles, and we got to go out there as a community and support them. Without further ado, here's Kyle and Cabrell's one-on-one segment. Step on to the hardwood. It is time for some one-on-one. And today I have with me Coach Cabral Huff of the Duluth Wildcats. And today we are going to be talking about the 2017 preseason Tip-off basketball coaches clinic and roundtable presented by the Georgia Minority Coaches Association. And before we get into all that, Coach Huff, how are you doing today, sir? Doing great, man. Doing great. Great chance to uh, to, to talk to you about some basketball and a, uh, a chance to grow and learn at our, at our clinic. And let's just jump right into it. So what exactly is the the Georgia Minority Coaches Association, and how long has it been around for? Do you know? Uh, It's been around for uh, about eight years. Uh, It actually was started on the football side by by the football coaches here in Georgia. Uh, We just wanted to get together, learn, and grow from each other. So about six years ago, five, six years ago, we kind of started the basketball division. Darius Hodge, the head coach at Hiram, is actually the president of our basketball division, and I'm the vice president. And kind of got it going and started, and we had some clinics at Drew High School, and this thing just kind of got bigger and bigger as we've kind of gone along. And it's really just about getting basketball coaches in Georgia together so we can grow our sport. As you know, Kyle, I mean, Atlanta, Georgia, the state is just a hot bed for, for talent. College coaches are here all the time, and so it's nothing better than us as basketball coaches learning from each other and learning from them because they're always going to be in Georgia. So uh, it's a great opportunity for us. And how does one become a member? Is there a fee, or how do they go about that process? They can go online to www.mcaofgeorgia.com, and uh, there's a link there on the website where they can become a member. Um, 
membership is, and there's a cost for the membership, uh, but it gives you a year cost. There's a liability insurance included with that, which is really big, you know, just in case something were to happen as you're a coach that, that may cause you to have to use that, that insurance. So how many how many coaching clinics has the MCA had so far? Is this the first one, or have you guys had a couple? Uh, we've had a couple. It's probably gonna, this is going to actually be our sixth one. Uh, we had one uh, in 2013 um, in September, again in September in 2014, um, then another one in 2015. Then we had kind of took a little break, and then we had another one last this past April. Uh, and then we had one around the live period, and we had one in July, again, as coaches wanted to, to hear more, learn more. So we had another one again in July around the live period. So this would be number six. And uh, what's the format like for someone that wants to attend the event this Saturday? What can they expect from the speakers, and what makes it different from other coaches' roundtables? Well, what, what makes it different is, obviously, uh, we have our speakers that are actually going to speak on topics but well, we have a roundtable panel of, of, of Division One coaches, Division Two coaches, JUCO coaches, um, recruiting services, where coaches get to ask questions. You know, particularly not about a particular athlete or recruit that a school may be recruiting, but certain questions about recruiting, about what do college player or college coaches want to see when they come to a high school workout. Uh, they want to know about. How is the job of coaching at the at the college level? And they're able to ask these coaches all these different questions, as well as learn about how they grew uh, in the profession, whether they start from. So they get you know kind of a personalized aspect in this in this clinic. And um, another great thing about it is that many of our coaches that speak stay around many times the whole day, listening to other coaches speak, uh, interacting with our with the high school coaches that are there. Uh, we have a lot of Division Two and NAI and JUCO coaches who come to listen to the, uh, the coaches speak. So it's great in that aspect. And the one thing that we also add to it is that we give opportunities for our coaches to, to meet some vendors uh, out of the lobby area. You know, this is the time of year coaches are looking for, for gear for their team and maybe, uh, maybe might be looking for a different vendor to use for gear for their team. So we offer that as well. And uh, I know you just mentioned you have some some great guest speakers lined up to show up. Do you have any specific names and some big time coaches that you'd like to throw out there to get some of the uh, the people thinking about attending really get them drawn in? Because I know you do have some great coaches from women's coaches to men's coaches, all sorts of levels. Excellent. We're gonna start off the day at nine a.m. with uh, Lewis Jackson of Alabama State, who's gonna give us some information about transition offense. Uh, then we're going to go right into Ron Hunter, uh, right here in Georgia at Georgia State, who's going to talk about the matchup zone. Uh, then we're going to go right into Jackie Carson, head women's coach at Furman, who's going to talk about some practice drills that we can use. Uh, then going right to Michael Curry, uh, the head coach at FAU, who's going to talk to us uh, about um, development, um, about um, developmental skills that we can use with our players. Uh, have lunch, which is included in the price, and then uh, right after lunch, we go right into to, to Chris Wade, uh, who's the head coach at Tiff County High School. Uh, but what some people don't know, he spent many years in, at the college level, and he's just going to be talking about defense. And anybody knows anything about Tiff County, he's been he was on Coach Holland's staff 
They play defense down there. They're tough. Uh, so he's going to do a great job with that. And then we get Matt Driscoll, who uh, is just one of the great guys in the business, uh, head coach at North Florida, who's going to talk about special situations. Uh, and then after that, we're going to have the round table where we have uh, Sean Williams of On the Radar Hoops. Uh, we have Jimmy Link, head coach of Clayton State. Uh, we have Paul Purdue, assistant coach at Georgia State. Uh, Larry Dixon, assistant coach at Georgia Southern. Evans Davis, former head coach at uh, Armstrong State. Uh, Brian Benatar, assistant coach at uh, University of West uh, Florida. And they're just going to be able to, to talk to us about different things, like I've said before, about recruiting, about what they want to see out of high school players, about how the game maybe has changed from when they first got into college coaching, uh, and how they got to where they are now, uh, and what they see as far as the game of basketball. Um, so that, that kind of tells you about the day that, that coaches can expect on Saturday. So this Saturday, the 23rd, 8 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. at Duluth High School, $50 in advance, $60 at the door. Uh, we have a bunch of great coaches showing up. And can you just explain the, the importance of networking? Because I know a lot of those coaches are going to hang around after they speak on stage and they give their thoughts on the roundtable. Just how important is it in this career as a basketball coach or in any career in general, how important it is to really get out there and network with other people in your industry? are about is about networking with other coaches to definitely gain knowledge and to grow in this business because as you get closer in February you may need to have a connection with a coach so you can find out information uh, about a team that you may have to play in the state tournament so that's a more localized thing but you also want to make connections and network with college coaches because you may not have a guy right now uh, who may be recruited by them but you may possibly have a guy two, three years down the road. But you've already made that connection with a coach. And there's nothing like having a, uh, being able to network with a coach who will come to your gym no matter whether you have a player or not just because they want to talk basketball. And eventually you can go up and talk to them about basketball. Maybe you see something that they run on, a, on an everyday basis or you've heard them speak and want to know more about, well, why do they do things certain ways? When you build that connection, you network with them at this clinic like ours and uh, a lot of the times they offer you the opportunity to come up and watch practice sit down and talk with them all those kind of things now i want to transition the focus a little bit on your personal career uh, you coached at georgia southern and alcorn state what did you learn at those uh, stops in college and how is college coaching different from what you do on an everyday basis at the high school level Obviously, in high school, it's so much more about, you know, teaching every day and, and whatever aspect many of us coaches do in the classroom. But at college, you're working with your guys from, from the time you, you're in that office to the time you go home and sometimes past that. So what I learned from, from both Coach Mark Bison at Georgia Southern and Coach Montez Robinson at Alcorn State, preparation, being prepared for everything that could come your way. Um, many times a head coach doesn't just want to know the problem. They want to know how we can solve the problem. And they want you to be proactive instead of reactive. And so preparation is really key. You know, going to Georgia Southern and being director of basketball operations, you know, that itinerary going on a road trip is just as important as where you're going to practice and what times you're going to practice. Um, and then that's also important, you know, when I got to Alcorn being a recruiting coordinator of, 
knowing where my head coach and our assistant coaches need to be, especially in July, who we're trying to see uh, during the live periods and where we're going to watch kids work out. So all those things are important. So preparation and problem solving are the two biggest things. Heading into this 2017-2018 season, uh, you have a very talented team with a lot of expectations over at Duluth. Uh, how do you, how do you feel about this year's team, and uh, what do you think the realistic goals are for you guys this season? I feel really good about our team. Uh, guys have come back hungry. Uh, last year's uh, loss to Pellbrook in the Sweet Sixteen it kind of fueled us uh, of what of understanding what it takes to to really get to that next level. And uh, guys have come back hungry. They've come back stronger. Uh, we've had great times so far in preseason. Uh, on the track, in the weight room, uh, getting better individually as players and four-on-ones. So our expectations are high to improve upon what we did last year, winning 19 games and going to the Sweet 16. And uh, we got a fun group to watch. And I think, uh, obviously, it's the Duluth community, but I think everyone in Georgia definitely uh, should come check us out. And it is September 21st. Uh, some big news came down the pipe today. From the GHSA, I would be remiss if I didn't at least ask a little bit of your thoughts about the GHSA moving four out of their eight classifications, their state championships, back to Macon. The first two days will be held at Macon. The final two days will still be at McCamish Pavilion over at Georgia Tech. Uh, do you have any feelings about that? I know you have a, a couple sweet memories of the, the centerplex. Uh, definitely uh Played for the state championship twice, losing once, and obviously winning one uh, down in Macon. So I definitely have some some good memories down there. Um, but I also know that last year was special. You know, those games at UGA and the games at Tech were really special. You had unbelievable crowds, whether it was, you know, Cedar Shoals being right there from Athens playing Buford. Or when you got to Tech, that Upson League and St. Pius game, um, it, it was really rocking at McCamish. Um, so having it in Macon is not a bad thing. It is the center part of, from Georgia of getting you know, teams from the north and the south together. Uh, we just need to make a centerplex to step up their game and, and make sure that things are taken care of for the high schools, the high school coaches, the fans, everyone that's involved, GHSA. Um, if they can do that, then I have no problem with it going back to Macon. Um, obviously, I'm a little biased having played there twice. Uh, but we just got to get that atmosphere, that same atmosphere that we had both at UGA and Georgia Tech. We've got to get that and make it. Very well put. Very well put. And before I let you go, i got to ask you about the Big South Shootout. I know you got your inaugural event uh, this season. Can you just let everybody know when that event is and what type of teams you got coming in there? I know it's, it's going to be one of the big ones, and it's going to be a big one moving forward. It is.
uh, come into play. Uh, some of the local teams here around Georgia, uh, we have, you know, Decula, we have uh, Mountain View, we have Wheeler, we have Gainesville, uh, North Clayton, uh, Northeast Macon, uh, Aquinas, um, Warner Robins, uh, Salem High School, Eagles Landing, Stockbridge, Sandy Creek, Green Forest. So we've really got Team Cedar Grove. We've got teams from all over the state of Georgia to come play. But what makes it different is that we also have some of the best teams out of state, from Lynette out of Alabama, Callaway out of Mississippi, uh, Lincoln out of Florida, uh, Glove Prep out of Florida, Legacy Chart out of South Carolina, Oldsmar Christian. Uh, we even have the new school that just came here in Georgia, Lincoln Prep. So we really have some great teams uh, that are going to take uh, great teams that are going to play in the Big South Shootout on January first and second. And I know you can't necessarily release all the matchups just yet, but can you give us a teaser of maybe someone that is uh, is playing Duluth and uh, give the college coaches in the area uh, a heads up on a date they might want to circle because there's going to be some good talent, and I know you got you got a good team, and you're going to run up against a pretty good team too. We, we definitely will. So the, the one matchup I can give you is on January 2nd, uh, the Duluth Wildcats will be playing, be playing Willard. And everybody knows they're a national power. Uh, so it'll be a great game. Uh, coach Larry Thompson, a new coach over there, he and I know each other very well. So we both are excited about the matchup. You heard it here first, folks. The Big South shootout's going to be a good one. Duluth, Wheeler, and we got a bunch of other great matchups. Coach Huff, I appreciate you coming on to speak. I just want to put it out there again. The 2017 preseason tip-off basketball coaches clinic and roundtable this Saturday, the 23rd, 8 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. at Duluth High School. $50 in advance, $60 at the door, hosted by the MCA of Georgia Coach Huff, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Good luck. I'm ready to hear from the great feedback from the Coaches Clinic, and I am looking forward to following your Wildcats this year. Thank you, Kyle, and thank you for all you do for basketball here in Georgia.